The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Massive intercity derbies, the beginning of a new era in North London and decision day in MLS. And that's just the appetizers. There's a lot to get through. And Jimmy Conrad, Heath Beers and James Bench are here to help it break it all down. Kegolasso weekend preview begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Kegolasso, our weekend preview. Thank you so much for being part of the family. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave a Kegolasso rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it helps us to continue to make great free episodes like this one. We continue to grow on podcasts and we're now past 4,000 subscribers on YouTube. So thank you so much. And our esteemed cast, Jimmy Conrad Cruz Azul in the house. How are you, bud? Yeah, no, showing respect to the team from Mexico that was most like Spurs until they finally won a trophy this past <laughs> season. So I thought I'd show them some love, even though this is we're going to be talking about MLS Decision Day. I wanted to show some love to a Mexican league team. I love it. It's a sexy shirt. I like it a lot. Uh, Heath Pierce, what's up, man? I'm good. I think it's a little bit weird that Jimmy has this whole like, you know, Spurs thing until you're not. Uh, isn't that <laughs> sort of isn't that everyone's starting point until you're not? You OK, know? here we go. No, I think James Bench is never Spurs until you're never, right, James Bench? Yeah, he's never, shaking his head. Ever, 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 ever Spurs. But I'm, <laughs> really, I'm going to see them tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, well, absolutely. As we're okay. taping this, okay. by the way, ahead of Antonio Conte's first game, James Bench, you looking forward to that one? I'm really excited. I mean, he's obviously he's hardly ever met these guys before, so he's going to terrify them, isn't he? Just like, but but he watched the documentary, James Ben. <laughs> he says he he watched it, so he knows these players, which is amazing. And I they're going to come out like win seven zero. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, my favorite thing is there was a video I think from Sky Sports uh, on the day that Antonio Conte was announced, and players coming to training on his first day of training, and there was speeding. They were like, we can't be late. We gotta get there. I think human son slept over in the training ground the night before as well. But welcome, everybody. Que golazo weekend preview, uh, our biggest episode of the week. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and James Benj. We are here to guide you through the action as we look ahead to the final uh, weekend of domestic action before the international break. And we begin in Manchester. The Manchester Derby. It's an early kickoff on Saturday as Manchester United, fresh from uh, saving themselves. Well, Ronaldo saving Manchester United from Atlanta against Manchester City. Rafael Varane, by the way, is out for a month. So already we know that there are problems. But this is a big, big game. United against Manchester City. So many narratives. Let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. You came here first. Talk to me. <laughs> I just don't see how Manchester United are going to win this game, I, especially without Rafael Varane, who I thought was the most important piece to them playing a back three, which was a new shiny look that Ole Gunnar was bringing to the table against the Spurs team that were obviously a little vulnerable and weren't prepared for those tactics, which really nobody was expecting to see with with uh, Wambasaka and Luke Shaw being the wingbacks. Now, Atalanta, 
Like, yeah, we've seen this before. We're really troubled by the back three, and, and we're a little unlucky they didn't get all the three points. Ronaldo doing what he does, scoring big goals in the Champions League. When you play against Man City, who are also going to be like, yeah, all right, whatever, you know? And without Varane, I just think it's going to be really difficult. Can you really expect this Manchester United team, you know are going to play Fred McTominay as a double pivot, and only maybe have three attacking players if they elect to go with the 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 back three, so you have the two wing backs, but Lindelof might be hurt here as well. So you have Bailly and Lindelof and Maguire's your choice. It's 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 thin. It's thin in the back line there. And I just feel like if you're gonna really rely on Cavani, Ronaldo, and Bruno Fernandez to do it, maybe they get a goal, but I don't see them winning the game. And 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 I just feel like you can have a false nine of either Phil Foden or or Kevin De Bruyne that can play there. And that takes a lot of discipline from those center backs that we already know are a little shaky as it is. Having to hold their ground and not get caught, not, not taking the bait of going into midfield and allowing gaps to open up behind them for those other runners to run through. So I think it's going to be a long 90 minutes for Manchester United fans. I apologize, but uh, I, I like Man City to really do the business here. I just think they are a tremendous team, especially coming off a big win against Club Brugge. I mean, following on from what Jimmy says, maybe what Manchester United fans need to do is recalibrate their idea of what winning might be in this game. <laughs> Three points isn't a victory. <laughs> losing losing 1-0, that, that, that might be enough for them, <laughs> mightn't it? I, I mean, really, Jimmy's hit the nail on the head with, with one thing that I don't know how they're going to line up a defence because there, there aren't the bodies for a back three. I, I think it was reported by the Telegraph that Harry Maguire was rushed back at least 10 days before he was supposed to play so that he could be on the field against Leicester uh, a few weeks back. And like, you <laughs> can well. <laughs> really tell, you can see in everything he does that he is he is just not there. He is He's not fit enough. And obviously, yeah. you know, because he's playing day in, day out, he's not really had a chance to build up that fitness. So what do you do, a back three of Bailly? Maguire as the anchor and then Luke Shaw, who I don't think has ever really played as a, a centre-back in a back three, or Wan-Bissaka. I mean, what's what's so worrying, I think, from a United perspective is this is the sort of the perfect team playing better than ever, I think, at making space for runners from midfield. They haven't got that, that, that focal point. But equally, that means that everything is, you have to be wary of every single player. I mean, I was looking at some Jack Grealish tape and everyone's been very critical of Grealish because he's not scoring, he's not assisting. But what he's doing is he's making so many channels in that inside left position for a, a, a Gundogan, a Silva, a Cancelo to burst into because they are dragging defences as wide as they can pull them. However many players United put back, I just can't imagine they can plug all the gaps that are going to appear, whether it's McTominay and Fred in front or, or Matic or whoever. I really can't see much beyond a quite convincing City win here, which probably, based on the way United play, means that they're going to win this somehow. Because <laughs> as we as we always say, Luis, this isn't about football. This is about vibes. This is about vibes. <laughs> vibes. Heath Pierce vibes. Yeah, yeah. Look, as I've been thinking through this, I've I what 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 James and Jimmy both said are are spot on and at least the way that I see it and I was trying to think like maybe there's a different approach that I can take here maybe maybe there's another angle where I can get man united into this conversation and then I Oh well, you can I look, go with stats Heath as I let you continue Manchester United are unbeaten in their last four league games against Man City does that help you Uh yeah it also helps that uh Raheem Sterling I don't believe has ever scored against Manchester United unfortunately mm-hmm. he's not even first choice uh in in this uh city side anymore and with uh, as Jimmy mentioned with KDB or 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 Phil Foden playing in that false nine. I just don't see how they can match up against that, especially when 
Man City move the ball very quickly in transition. They they're just going to open up. And again, as Benj mentioned with uh, with uh, Jack Grealish, you know, there's there's sort of becoming this. You know, and we saw this with Anthony with with Ajax uh, in, in the Champions League. When you have a player that can dri- that can just create overloads because they have to pull so many players over, it's really hard to keep a balanced team. And I think Manchester United have really struggled to be a balanced team because they don't seem to have this. Uh, well-oiled machine where there's this, you know, go back to just youth grassroots soccer of pressure cover balance. When one goes, then there's just this automatic movement after. It seems like a player half goes and then everyone gets stuck in between these lines. And Man City will eat that up all day long. And you do that even in the first few minutes and you start to get frustrated. And now you start to have players arriving late. And then when you look at the front three that have to be the first line of of defense in their press with Cavani and and Ronaldo and and Fernandez. I just don't see how there's somewhere around the field where where United can win a battle and say, okay, this is where we're going to win the ground game, and from here we're going to build out of that. So overall, I think it's just too strong for Manchester City. Uh, as I say this, I just go back to whatever uh, Ben just says, which of course that means Man United are going to win. But I'm I'm confident that Man City are gonna are gonna hold on to this one. Yeah. Well, the first opening goal from Manchester United against Atalanta was we were asking ourselves uh, why don't they do this more often? Well, Man City does it literally for 90 minutes, so that's probably the problem there. And not forgetting that Man City, by the way, are third in the Premier League right now and still looking up five points behind Chelsea. So it's not like they want to do Manchester United, their better rivals, any favors. Before we move on and I ask J- uh, Jimmy Connor for the betting tips, I, I just want to read a very quick intro paragraph from the amazing Jonathan Liu from The Guardian. Uh, it was after the Manchester United equalizer. I mean, the, the draw against Atalanta. Everything that basically would be echoing, but... If you know Jonathan Lee, you know he's a very good writer, et cetera. But, you know, it, I think this just really <laughs> typifies everything about United. The genius of modern Manchester United is that for all the attention lavished upon them, for all the granular analysis they attract, they remain a largely unknown quantity. Keep going, keep going. They are the hyperactive toddlers of English football, equally capable of moments of startling insight and unfettered joy as they are of throwing valuable household ornaments into the toilet. I just... I think that's perfect. <laughs> they're literally so inconsistently unavailable. We don't know what they're going to give us, Jimmy Conrad. We just think that they're the complete opposite of Man, uh, Man City, which we know exactly what that is. So yeah, give me a better I want to go to Bench really quick because I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm hearing that Jaden Sancho, something's going on with him. So give me that insight before I give any betting tips, Bench. Yeah, I, I'm wondering, is he the priceless heirloom that's been thrown into the toilet? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, they have a few, but he's one of them, right? Yeah. This is this is maddening. This is everything about, you know, what Jonathan was saying there and, and what so many United observers say. They signed Jaden Sancho to play at right wing. The guy never plays there, and now he never plays at all. And, you know, just breaking news as we record this, he's been dropped from the England squad this is Jaden Sancho. This is a player that was one of the half dozen best attackers in Europe over the last two, years. And you would think, years. James, as you continue that point, and you would think Sancho's dropped main, because he's not seen minutes, not because of him, I guess, right? Yeah. His I form mean, isn't he, great, though. His form hasn't... He, he doesn't but, he doesn't, but he doesn't see the field, though, Heath. Like, he, yeah. he, like it's not enough. It's not enough. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, mean, a, he's a more expensive Donny Vandebeek. Let's just be honest. Who's another very good player? This is the, we're talking Cristiano about Cristiano Ronaldo yeah. ruined Jane Sancho. Yeah. That's all Jay, I when Jane Sancho didn't get his transfer also, you saw the emotional side. He went into a dip of form for a while, and you can see that he obviously uh, prides himself on that form and that belief uh, and, and, and having a clear head. And I think, yeah, at this moment, 
whether he's playing or not. And I, and, and listen, I've spent plenty of time on a bench before to know the emotional ups and downs of, of, of not playing and it sucks, but you know, that's where, he, you know, a little bit's on him. Uh, I would say, cause he's not perfect having, storm, performance. but yeah, a the rest is, storm. I blame Ronaldo. Yeah. Continue James. Yeah. yeah it, it, a lot of it is Ronaldo, but I, I, I don't know what the solution is here because you know, it, if he sticks with this 3-5-2, there is never going to be a spot for Jaden Sancho in this team, except as, you know, Callum Hudson, Adoy Mark too. It is this is what this is the, the sign of no joined up thinking because you have a system that that excites you with a, you know, with a Cavani or whoever up top, Rashford and 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 Sancho flanking them. And then you just you, you throw it all out because it's fun and exciting to buy Cristiano Ronaldo and it gets engagement and you didn't need him, but hey, it's cool. You know, it's great fun and Ole can work out how to fit all these pieces together. Oh, what's that? He can't. Well, actually, you know, I don't know how many managers could anyway. This is maddening. You've you've signed one of the best young players in the world and you've sidelined him for a world-class player who has two, three years left of his prime at absolute most. Yeah, you know what's really funny? I know that Jamie's going to end with betting tips, but I'm looking at the table and they if they win, they go join points with Man City. I mean, I, I know that we're going crazy here, but it's it's kind of, it's so weird, Jimmy Conrad. It is weird. I do want to kind of tack on this one stat to bring up a stat. Only Jose Mourinho and Jurgen Klopp have beaten Pep Guardiola more times than Ole Gunnar. But I just don't see how it's going to happen in this one. Outside of CR7, putting the team on his back once again and salvaging a point. They, if it, they're going to get anything out of this game, it's because they salvaged something. It's not because they played an aesthetically pleasing way that they're all organized and on the same page. They are super individualistic. It's been a big thing with United since Ronaldo showed up. I like Man City to win this one in over two and a half goals, plus 130. I think that's the safest and smartest bet you can make in this game. Well, if they do that, they go above Liverpool, if Liverpool, of course, uh, don't win against West Ham, which we'll get to in a second. But let's move on here and let's continue in the Premier League as we talk Tottenham, Antonio Conte. His first Premier League match at home to Everton and Rafa Benitez. This is going to be their sixth meeting. Uh, by the way, Conte has won three of those, uh, lost two, and then a draw. So, Heath Pierce, uh, talk to me about this game. Oh, it's away at Everton. Is it at Goodison Park? Let me just confirm. Park. But, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, well, there you go. I don't think it matters at this point for Everton. They just need to do something uh, because it's really a dreary. They were saying Rafa out after the loss. Two Wolves. How do you see this game? Antonio Conte, Rafa Benitez, Tottenham, Everton, Heath Pierce. Yeah, I, I I was trying to think about for Antonio Conte, what's the best situation or scenario for him to step into, right? Is it an easy match against a Norwich or a Watford? I'm not saying they're easy, but like, is it is it to step into that situation where you know that your team is the better team and should win this? Or is it a more complicated one where he ha he can immediately start to tinker with the team, right? You, there, 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 there's two approaches where he can have the wait and see and sort of go with what you've you've got so far and sort of see how they do and see how they just naturally react to a new manager. You made the joke about them arriving to training. That's the actual realities of, of a new coach coming in is it hits that reset button. Accountability goes back up. You know, the trust has to go back up. Players that ha have been out of form have to step up. Other players who, who, uh, who haven't been getting the looks that they want now get an opportunity to look uh, to, to get a new and fresh look in front of a, a, a manager. So I think it does reset all of that accountability. And so when I look at this match against Everton, it's another opportunity for him to, uh, to, to, to learn from this side, to see how they react to him and respect to him. And we've seen that in the past. You see, we, we only really ever talk about when a new, when new manager comes in, 
And then it, we fly the team to the moon in terms of just the response. And you go, oh, it was just the manager's fault. We got rid of him and now <laughs> everything's better. Or you just sort of see with a, a Manchester United, which we saw through the years of just sort of getting incrementally better and ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And so this is one that I think is an important one for him. I don't know if they'll get the result, though, uh, against this Everton side because Everton are certainly up for it. And that's you want to go and punch this new manager in the mouth and 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 you're playing at Goodison Park. And so overall, I think it's a, it, it's not the best scenario. And I do think uh, a Spurs going into a team where they could show that that level of flair uh, or that level of, you know, which they have uh, in the Europa League. But, uh, you know, yeah, I guess the point that I'm trying to get at is I don't think this is going to be an easy one for Antonio Conte to step into. He does, barely knows the squad, barely knows this team, and it's going to be on these players to lead this to the result and less so what he can do in this 48-hour window to prep them. Yeah, what I'll say is the last time one of the quote-unquote big clubs in the Premier League made a change mid-season was Chelsea with Thomas Tuchel taking over for Frank Lampard. And when Tuchel first came in, I think it, we all, at least we remember it because we live this every day, he was very pragmatic, and I felt like he started from the back to the front. He wanted to make sure everything was locked down behind the ball, and they didn't give up a lot of goals, but they weren't scoring or even creating that many opportunities either. And I feel like Antonio Conte sees the game in a very similar way. I got to lock things down in the back. Spurs, maybe they don't give Who's up. Who's locking at, it down in the back at Spurs, Jimmy? But it's who, not even about players. It's about, it's about numbers, yeah. right? And I think that what, what uh, Tuchel did very well is, let me get my three best center backs on the field. Let me get my two wing backs to pretty much play in a back line of five. Get two amazing holding midfielders. And Chelsea have all these parts, so it made it a little bit easier. Maybe Tottenham doesn't. But, but I think there's maybe quantity over quality at this point to get the job done. Now, they play at home against Vitesse in the Conference League today. We don't know the result yet, but they have a game midweek, and Everton doesn't. I think that plays into Everton's hands. So there could be some tired legs there. Um, and Everton, if you look back at their last few games, they lost to Wolves in the last one, 2-1. But it was one on a set piece. I think you can control that stuff. It has nothing to do with talent, just desire. And, and the other one was a bad back pass. Other than that, they were in the game. They created enough opportunities to get a result. And then against Watford the week before, they were up 2-1 with 25 minutes to go. And then Joshua King decides to bang in a couple goals, and they lose 5-2. I mean, it's, they just completely capitulated at the end of the game. Again, things that I think they can control. So now, if I'm Rafa Benitez, I'm looking at it the same way. Dude, we got to tighten some shit up in the back because it's just way too leaky and we're just not concentrating in key moments. So you have two coaches thinking the same way and you got Spurs with some tired legs. I just think this could be a low-scoring draw. That's where I wanted to go. Thanks for having me. <laughs> James, James Benz, before you, before you talk, I, 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 called, I called Spurs Europa League and I shouldn't have it their conference league. Just to, before you <laughs> start thinking I'm willing to give you them... You were uh, promoting Tottenham yeah, already. Yeah, 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 think you win it. Yeah, I said you know you know there you're always Spurs until you're not. Uh, I just wanted to clarify that. Uh, <laughs> you spurst yourself on Spurs. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, James Bench. I mean, every everything the guys have said very true, and obviously, Luis, you and I uh, spoke at great length about Conte in a in a pod that that you can listen to elsewhere. Don't listen to the second half about Unai Emery because uh, <laughs> that didn't happen. Well, um, and throw just proverbial darts on it. Yeah, go ahead, James. <laughs> I, I mean, one of the obviously the really intriguing thing that may change Spurs dramatically is if Harry Kane can really be motivated to play under Antonio Conte, and I think it's fair to say. He was a little bit underwhelmed with the appointment of Nuno. He certainly played like he was underwhelmed with life playing under Nuno. Conte spoken about what he would do with a player like Harry Kane before. Move him into the penalty box. Kind of cut his addiction to dropping deep, which has been really good for Tottenham in the past. But 
you know, if you look at how we think he might set up a team with Lucelso and, and Domele, possibly like at least one, possibly both of them in midfield, if they can get to the stage where Kane doesn't need to do all the creative work and he can just start enjoying scoring goals, you know, that can take Tottenham an awful long way. What Jimmy said is really true, though. I think we know that Rafa can turn this Everton team into a horrible team to play against. <laughs> just squeeze the spaces, you know, two banks of four, hit them on the counter with, with Townsend and Gray. Which is what happened and in the second half against Wolves, yeah. Yeah, and it worked. And he, that's the thing is, it's worked for a lot of this season. And it's, I mean, we know that Rafa, because of his Liverpool links, he gets no time. He gets no patience from, from Everton fans. But don't forget, it is scarcely a month ago that his team were outplaying Man United, doing really well on the counter. You know, this Everton team works. And yeah, I would only echo what Jimmy says. I think this will be gritty, grindy, uh, maybe kind of lean towards Spurs in the end because they've just got better players to put the ball in the net. And if they're engaged... I think Tottenham wins. Yeah, it's very even in the table as well. Obviously, Tottenham in ninth, Everton in 10th. Uh, Tottenham only a point above that. And it's very tight, obviously, the differential and points all the way up to fifth where Manchester United lies. Before I go to Jimmy Conrad, just some other things to think about. Uh, Rafa Benitez is not, as James Bench mentioned, getting any patience from Everton fans. So this win, as, as, as big as it is for Tottenham and Conte arriving, is as important for the Toffees. Jimmy Conrad, what do you think? I like the draw. I said it before. I'll say it again. Plus 230, I think, is really good value. Pretty split. You could go on either side if you were feeling one way or another. It looks like Bench is thinking Spurs can do the business. They've only scored nine goals in their 10 games. So I guess they're due at some point to have somewhat of an explosion, right? Even even Norwich at some point, I think, is probably going to put a couple of goals into the back of a net against one particular team. Maybe not. I don't know. The Canaries are kind of bad right now. But, but I just feel like, as Bench mentioned, Tottenham having so many quality attacking options at some point something should unlock but this Everton team it's going to be tough I like a I like a 1-1 draw here maybe even 0-0 which isn't that exciting but uh, that's what Rafa Benitez does he sucks all the fun out of watching the game <laughs> and that could very well happen Everton have won just one of the last 17 Premier League games against Tottenham it doesn't have to be a loss but a draw could be in the cards let's keep going here in the Premier League this is a good one West Ham against Liverpool David Moyes against Jurgen Klopp. Uh, Jurgen Klopp has been has never lost uh, against David Moyes. Uh, by the way, James Bench talked to Sadio Mane. Quick on that. How was that, James Bench? Oh, it was great. Um, a player in in real strong form, really enjoying life. And I think one of the really notable things he understands. You know, you get those quotes, don't you, where a player says, "Oh, you know, it's not about the personal accolades; it's all about team success." Sadio gets that it is about the personal accolades because that's how you get team success. Yeah. Liverpool are yeah. going to be really yeah. successful if Sadio Mane gets loads more scoring titles, like the 100 Premier League goals he got. So, uh, yeah, great interview. You can read that on cbssports.com. If I could briefly like jump over to the game as well. Yeah, I'm that's really why I asked you, my friend. I'm really excited for this game because we're seeing a, a team that have really developed impressively uh, over the last few months and look like they're coalescing into something fearsome against one of the best teams in the league this year. So I'm really excited. Can Liverpool actually prove what they can do against top Premier League opposition in the form of West Ham United? Little stat on that. Which team would you uh, think Luis Miguel Echegaray has more points in 2021? I mean, just by the nature of the question, I, I, I obviously <laughs> go Liverpool, but it is West Ham. It is indeed 62 points. Chelsea have 66. Wow. This West Ham team. <laughs> I think we still think of them as a bit of a curio. We're kind of, we think that Mikhail Antonio is going to stop being 
one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Well, he's been doing that ever since David Moyes came back. Declan right. Rice, this isn't some sort of brief spell of a brief hot streak. He is one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Thomas Suchek too. Great attacking options, solid defence. You know, you have to kind of favour Liverpool because they're Liverpool and they're scoring goals for fun, especially on the road. But I think this is going to be one of the toughest tests they've had all season. Up there with Chelsea, up there with Man City. This is a really hard game yeah. and a tough place to go. I fully agree. I, I mean, I think Liverpool will win this match. I think they realize that these are the kinds of matches, especially at this point in the season, that they have to be able to win. This is where they have to have some of their most complete performances. Unfortunately, it's against the West Ham side that are also also have their own ambitions and their own goals. As you mentioned, uh, James, with, with the amount of points they have, they're not, it's not a fluke. A lot of times you go into the season and go, when is it going to wear off? We're seeing that with Brighton Hove Albion. We're, we're seeing that with Brentford in terms of, oh, they're starting to settle in, right? Like the, the, it's starting to bring it to a simmer, but West Ham obviously go far beyond that. Um, and, and go into earlier in, in the year. And so I think Liverpool are still too strong in the attack. I think they're going to get their goals. It's just a whether, whether or not you can stop, uh, Mikel Antonio, uh, in that back line, whether or not you are tuned into that and Ben Rama and Bowen, can you can you actually neutralize them enough to be able to play your game? We know that Liverpool are going to get their chances. We know that Liverpool front three, regardless of what front three they roll out, are going to score. And and again, I go back to, to, to what I said yesterday on the show, which is Liverpool only need a chance. And you can feel when they go in these waves, it's literally like it's coming from the training ground where it's one pass in, next pass out, and then now all of a sudden the darting runs. It's like everything feels like a set play for them, the movements. The, it's almost lacks fluidity because of the eff efficiency of it. It's like they know where the goals come from, and that's really hard to stop right now. And again, I go back to saying that the only way that West Ham can stay in this is if they can punch on the other end with their with their a, a, attacking lot. But I think this is going to be too much, and uh, Liverpool are going to take this one. Yeah, kind of feeling the same way Liverpool 25 games unbeaten in their last six against West Ham five wins and a draw but to what Benj was saying before this season and maybe even this calendar year feels a lot different for the Hammers if they hadn't lost at home to Brentford a month ago they'd actually be one point above Liverpool at this particular moment I mean that just again speaks to their quality on both sides of the ball and I want to give a shout out to their defensive side we talk about Mikel Antonio and Declan Rice but they've given up zero goals in their last five games which included holding Man City to zero goals in the Carabao yeah. Cup where they ended up winning in penalties. And, and that needs to be taken into consideration because when, when, and when even Heath, when we talk about kind of our, our teams in the past, there's some kind of camaraderie that, that, and pride that comes into getting clean sheets, going out there and I'm going to go out and do my job and, and let's make it happen. And that collective feeling makes a big difference. So I feel like Liverpool are going to run into a West Ham team that are full of confidence and, and an understanding of how they should move on both sides of the ball, which is going to be tough. However, Liverpool are a different gravy, let's be honest. I thought they were superb midweek against Atleti. Didn't give up any shots on goal to one of the best teams in La Liga and really stifled it. I know Griezmann didn't play, but Suarez had a lot to play for and didn't show up. Mohamed Salah, though, didn't get a goal or an assist against Atleti. That's the first time he has a had a goal or an assist in a game in like 10 or 11 straight games. That's insane. He still played well, and he still occupied and took away a lot of players, which opened up space for Trent Alexander-Arnold to hit in the deep crosses. He got two assists. I like most Salah to hit, get to find another place. He's going to hit the back of the net. I'm taking a flyer on this game. We'll go straight to my bets. Mohamed Salah to score and Liverpool to win either 2-0, 2-1, or 3-1. They have to have those three score lines. Mohamed Salah to score. And that pays plus 450. I'm going to take a flyer on that one just to have some fun with some prop bets. 
That's fantastic. Great insight from all three. And this is, as James Bain said, is going to be the biggest test for Liverpool, definitely in the, in the Premier League. And to Jimmy's point, uh, Liverpool are flying. And by the way, Liverpool have scored 19 goals in their first uh, f- uh, five away Premier League matches. Only two other teams in history of the league have done more. So they, they don't care if they're at Anfield or not. But this is going to be a really tough test. Heath Pierce, you have your hand up. Yeah, I had my hand up. Just be, I, I just want to point out that I, I'm also really in on this game because it's 8.30 Pacific time on a Sunday, uh, which is not the same time as the kickoff uh, of the Manchester Derby at 5.30 yeah. a.m. on a Sunday. So just out of respect for the timing uh, and my sleep, this is one yeah, I'm excited West about. Coasters are definitely happy. That's 11.30 Eastern. And of course, uh, and actually... Uh, it's good because that Sunday the clocks uh, go back in the U.S. So finally we sync once again with Europe because it was really annoying for a week. I tell you right now, if you work in this environment. All right. Well, let's look at the rest of the Premier League matches here. Des Norris, as we see what's going on. Southampton was last Villa on Friday. Let's keep going. Manchester United <laughs> against Man City <laughs> early on Saturday. Brentford host Norwich. Chelsea against Burnley. Crystal Palace with that great win against Man City. They host Wolves, who are high-flying right now. Brighton at home to Newcastle. Uh, so that you have it. Anything in particular there, Jimmy Conrad, that you like? I have Ivan Tony in my fantasy team, so I That's want him to bang long. at least three goals against Norwich. And if he doesn't, I'll be extremely disappointed. He's been pretty quiet recently, goal-wise. He's due. He's due. He's due. Yeah, he's definitely due. James Benj? Yeah, I just want to have a moan, really. Um, this is very UK-centric moan as well. But obviously this week in Glasgow, we're hosting COP26. A lot of talk about what sport can do to help uh, with the climate crisis. One thing sport could do is not ask Aston Villa fans to go to Southampton at 8 o'clock on a Friday night. Yes, no way <laughs> Newcastle so fans to do pretty much the same at Brighton. I'm going to be one of the people trying to get out of the London Stadium. I'm delighted for Heath that he he doesn't have to get up too early to watch it. But there's going to be a lot of Liverpool fans trying to get away from the London Stadium on Sunday who are going to discover that there's about one train an hour to Liverpool and that they've got next to no chance of sitting down. Yeah. This drives this really does drive me mad because it's not just a climate change thing that people drive or people, you know, do whatever, got private jets, however they get there. But also just that it's really rubbish for away fans. Um, and I, I know that people watching the the Premier League in the States, one of the great things that makes it such a good TV product is that you do have that, you know, home away rivalry and that home away banter that you can hear through the TV speakers. So like, please, away fans, just uh, please could the Premier League and broadcasters just try to consider (laughs) where these people are coming from because... Brighton to Newcastle. I know that for Americans, it sounds like nothing, but it's probably it's like a lot. Hour drive. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. But it's you're right. It's nothing for Americans when you consider Californian tag. Anyway, I'm, Heath Pierce, uh, some yeah. thoughts from the yeah. Premier League. I'm just excited about the Brighton-Newcastle game for Newcastle's sake. I, you know, Brighton are on a really? little bit of a dip. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Newcastle down at the bottom, and Jimmy doesn't have to say this, but it's an opportunity to get a result. Brighton, I think, are uh, win this in their last six matches. And and, uh, you know, Newcastle are Newcastle. So if there's are ever they a winning? time, are they stop, winning? stop giving me any hope. Also, here. You're also, just, is, I'm, I'm not taking this bait. A Brighton, are, a Brighton are my new are my new Crystal Palace. Since Crystal Palace got to win, Brighton just continue to draw <laughs> against everybody. Uh, but this is one that I think, I mean, Newcastle are near the bottom and, and it's a shame to see. So this could be an opportunity uh, with their fans traveling four hours uh, to that match to, to, to reward their fans with a result, Jimmy. Yeah, well, we will see. Liverpool and Brighton tied before that. And Newcastle, of course, look for their 
first victory. All right. Uh, and by the way, I'm sorry I didn't mention the other games on Sunday, but Leeds United played Leicester City, etc. Uh, we already mentioned the final game of that day, which is West Ham against Liverpool and Arsenal host Watford. Uh, Claudio Ranieri against Arsenal. So we'll see with that. Well, James Bench, we say goodbye to you. Anything you want to say before we say goodbye, James Bench? Don't forget to read his great piece uh, with Sadio Mane on CBSports.com. James Bench, anything else before we say goodbye? Uh, the only one other thing to promote, uh, got big predictions or look ahead piece uh, on uh, the Manchester Derby. Lots of fun stuff in there for fans of Jack Grealish about why he's actually a lot better. Great. So why not for me then? Awesome, James Bench. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you, James Bench. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. Kigo Lasso Weekend Preview. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody, to Weekend Preview. Que golazo! The American sandwich now. Peruvian meat in the middle. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and I'm here talking about the rest of Europe. And we got some more in MLS as well. But first... Okay, we talked the Premier League, but we got a big game in Serie A, which, by the way, you can watch exclusively on CBS Sports and Paramount+. Plus. It's AC Milan against Inter Milan. Woo, what a game. I love it. Let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. What a big game. A derby, finally, a big one. Serie A, obviously, Inter Milan won midweek in the Champions League. AC Milan equalized late and tied with Porto. How do you see this one? Yeah, this is a good game. Obviously, Milan, fantastic domestically, tied on top of the table with 31 points with Napoli with, from 10 wins and a draw out of 11 games. That is very impressive for Stefano Pioli and his squad, but not so great in Europe, which I thought was a bit of a surprise. They lost their first three games, some of it a little bit unlucky. I would say that penalty that Atletico Madrid got the San Siro to win 2-1. A little unfortunate there, maybe a little unfair, but that's how it goes at times. And then... The game against Porto midweek this week, match day four, they needed to win to really kind of maybe look at that that Europa League spot. Or maybe if everything went their way, they won three straight, a chance to get into the knockout rounds. Not to say it was a listless performance. They they did score. They, they made it 1-1. But I thought Porto was actually driving that game. Yeah, totally. in, in a game that felt like Milan would have some pride. They're one of the most successful teams in Champions League history. I thought there would be a little bit more. I thought the lineup would maybe reflect that. Kessier was available. He didn't start. Uh, Benacer did get fouled on that goal by Porto, but Porto was still driving the game, and, and I thought a, a draw was a fair result, all things considered. I know Milan's going to come out. Zlatan will probably start, you know, because that's what he has to do, the guy. Talk about being clutch. You know, we know Cristiano Ronaldo is. Zlatan seems to have that clutch gene as well. 
I expect him to get into it. Him scoring anytime, plus 120 for anybody that wants in on some Zlatan action. I think that Milan had the benefit of playing at home. And Inter Milan had to travel to Madolva to go get a result. I think that will matter a little bit. I think there are some tired legs there. But, uh, God, it's hard. I mean, Inter Milan, you know, haven't been completely crushing it as of late in terms, or at least, let's say, over the course of the season. They're not too far off of it, but this would be a big statement win for them against a Milan team that that haven't lost yet. So this is a this is a... I mean, I love all the Premier League games. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. The Manchester Derby is going to be fun for some narratives, but in terms of how competitive it's going to be, I actually like this Milan Derby a little bit more. Yeah, look, these the last seven meetings between these teams have not ended in a draw, which is what I like about the two matchups here. One team has won. Actually, the away team, the away team has won uh, four of those seven. And I go back to February of last year, or no, February of this year, sorry, of last season, when Inter Milan put a thumping on AC Milan. And it was right at the time, they were just out of Europe, they're rounding in the form, and it was a statement win. Lautaro Martinez had two, Lukaku had a goal, and it was just an absolute dominant performance from Inter Milan, where we saw sort of the crumble of AC Milan, who had spent a, a lot of the season at that point in first place in the league. And I think for now, you're seeing sort of uh, the potential for the same storylines for AC Milan, the way that they are in Europe right now. There's an opportunity to go out, focus just on the league. Inter Milan, I, I think, are seven points off the pace right now. And that could be, I could be off by a number there. But um, it's just an opportunity for AC Milan to do the exact same thing. Focus on a single, a single thing, probably knocked out of Europe, have a statement win against an, an, an Inter Milan team who are just grinding through things right now. They're, they're, they're not exactly you know, pacing in the way that AC Milan are, who are on a historic start to the season. So I'm going with AC Milan on this one to win at home, to have a statement, uh, ha to have a statement performance. I think they've been very, very good. I think they're, we're seeing a lot less of the holes in their team that we saw last year, where it seemed like they were writing form versus writing just the abilities and, and the cohesion of the, the group and, and the identity of the team. Uh, and so this is, this is their big test. And I think if they drop these points, they fall back into that category that we saw last year where, we all we were all waiting for, and this team this year they're a lot better. Zlatan again, I think, leads the way for the for this team. But um, Brahim Diaz as well, who's continued to become a better player. But I'm saying this is a win for AC Milan against Inter Milan. Yeah, the yeah, go, go ahead. ahead Jimmy. No, no, go, go, go. I want to hear your thoughts before I give give out. No, somebody. I wasn't going to say much. I was just going to emphasize the operative words there that Heath Pierce just said, which is a big test for AC Milan. And uh, you know, last season even though obviously Inter took the better of them, it was in that stage when AC Milan started putting their foot of the gear. And they need to realize that when you look at Serie A right now, Napoli, 31 points, AC Milan, 31 points as well. There's a tiny bit of a window there, a bit of a gap. There's Norris here showing it on YouTube. You could see, you know, Inter need this, but if AC Milan can take care of business, they can really keep going with that momentum and we've said it before right maybe not being in the champions league knockout stages will be a blessing in disguise for AC Milan ironically enough that's the lesson they can learn from Inter Milan last season I just it's a big game for AC Milan Inter have scored the most Serie A goals against AC Milan uh while the Rossoneri have lost 67 such matches against the Nerazzurri I just think that like you said uh Heath I'm with you I think home advantage Slatan is going to be up for this I think Frank Kessie is going to be very important. I'm giving it to AC Milan, but Jimmy, yeah. your final point here. Jimmy, Jimmy, before you say something, the one thing I wanted to add to that is, and I said this before, if, if, if AC Milan, if they look at the table there and they know they can get to 10 points by Christmas and they're going punch for punch with Napoli, that's AC Milan's title. Now, if you allow them to, th that gap to close and, and Napoli drop into those points, it turns into a real 
uh, cluster, you know what? And so, uh, like, I, that's why I think they're seeing this as a must-win game because of yeah. it's a six-point swing and it puts them in a much better I, position. And we're going the against the narrative here. We're going against the narrative because Inter Milan has been the you know we're going to bet, but we're thinking that maybe that's the way. Jimmy, what do you think? Uh, I actually like Inter a little bit. I knew you were going to say that. That's why we ended with you. No, no, no. I mean, this guy's Mike. <laughs> nah, no, no. I just feel like Milan, uh, only one clean sheet in their last nine games. So the yeah. last six times that these two opponents have played against each other, 22 goals have been scored. So that's an average of three point. I was a math major. 3.6 uh, mm-hmm. goals per game. Uh, so, so there's going to be some action in this one. We know that we're going to see some heroes. Some narratives are going to step up. Inter have actually been pretty good. I'm looking back at their schedule. They did lose that that game back in mid-October to Lazio 3-1. But a bit of a blip. Outside of that, that's their only loss in the last 11 or 12 games. You know, they took care of Sheriff. I think they were a little unsteady in, in the Champions League and I think got favorable uh, draw, at least, to have Sheriff back-to-back games. Got them going again on there, and they should get into the knockout rounds. They also were up 1-0 on Juventus. They went up early in that game, and then Dybala scored really late. They, they just didn't see that one out. And then they're now, what I really like about them is that they're taking care of the teams that they should take care of. They went on the road to Empoli. They beat them 2-0. They went on, they went ahead at home against Udinese, 2-0. Then they go to Moldova and get a 3-1 win over Sheriff. I feel like they're coming in with a little bit more of an identity of how they're going to play and a little bit of confidence in, in that team shape. Now, this is the first Milan derby for Simone Inzaghi, the manager of Inter. And even though he's been in big derbies before, managing Lazio against Rome, the eternal derby, and, and it's not going to be that overwhelming for him, but this is a different kettle of fish. And and I like the draw, to be honest. I know <laughs> you guys are going to get that. But it's just, it's just, it's appealing at plus 265, even though they haven't drawn in forever. An exciting draw. A, a goal scoring draw. Yeah, this will be like a 2-2 or whatever, but, but I don't think this is just Milan winning straight up. They're going to be without Theo Hernandez and without Mike Mignon in goal. Yeah, that's I, big. I, I just don't think that because Theo Hernandez got a red card in the previous game. I just don't think that they're as stout defensively because they don't have that number one goalkeeper between the sticks. And so I'm just throwing that out there. But when you have Zlatan in your team, Kessier comes back in. You know, you, you got some uh, incredible players for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's going to be a very good game. And by the way, Milan beats uh, Atalanta 3-2, Verona 3-2, uh, Bologna 4-2, Torino 1-0, Roma 2-1. Yeah, score goals. Score more than the other team. Score more than the other team. So we will see. But it should be a really, really good one. All right, let's keep going in Serie A. We won't stay too long because we got MLS to discuss as well. But Juventus against Fiorentina. Des, put up the rest of the schedules as we focus on Juventus and Fiorentina, but there's other things that we might want to discuss, but not for too long, but let's lead the way here with Juventus against Fiorentina. Uh, Heath, Juventus, I mean, they're weird as well, a little bit. The conventional wisdom of Max Allegri, obviously they, they, they make it to the knockout stages in the Champions League, but in the league, just like Barcelona, they're not looking too great. What do you think? Yeah, winless in the last three, it's just an opportunity for them to go into this international break, quite frankly, with with three points and and end it on a, on a positive note. Obviously, they're sitting right mid-table just behind Verona and the league, and they need to have a, a, a win here. And it's, it's that simple. I don't think it's necessarily uh, the way in which they play. You're going into the international break, and we know we've heard a number of players discussing the international break and the complications of finding a team rhythm, especially when you're out of form, right? Because the, the one thing you wanted to do the one thing you want to do when 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 you're not in form is to get on the training pitch and find that identity and build it through through competition in the team, through camaraderie and all these things, have more time together. But these international breaks keep coming in. So these teams that are struggling to really find that consistency. And we saw Juventus start to get a little bit better before taking that dip. And obviously they were 
convincing against Zenit uh, in the Champions League. But you want to just get that win to go into the international break, come back with sort of that W in your pocket, knowing that you're probably going to have to rotate players, not as much as you probably did when you had three, the the, the triple fixture dates uh, of the international calendar window. So for me, just going out and getting a, a, a not not to say convincing, but a, a professional win in this game, I think sets them up uh, going into the international break. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll touch upon Juve Fiorentina as well. Maybe from Dusan Vlahovic's perspective, he is on the the radar to be signed by Juve at some point, a very Bayern Munich type transfer policy where like, Oh, there's a good player that competes against us. Let's steal him and put him on our team. Federico Chiesa being the latest example also yeah. played for Fiorentina in the previous seasons and a, and a tremendous talent for, for Juve and the Italian national team. Juve for me kind of got Everton vibes in some ways where they're kind of just self-destructing and sabotaging themselves where they just need to concentrate in key moments. You know, they gave up a 94th minute goal to lose to Sassuolo at home uh, you know, didn't do well against Giovanni Simeone, who scored two bangers uh, in their loss against Verona. And they gave up two more goals to Zenit midweek, right? So they got to figure out that side of the ball. And that's pretty, pretty crazy, uh, given given um, Maxi Allegri's penchant for wanting to play good defense. Now, I do want to shout out Giovanni Simeone because he's got six goals in his last two games and they play against Napoli in Naples. Can he keep that going against the best team in Serie A on both sides of the ball? They've only given up three goals all season. So I'm very curious about that game. Venezia versus Roma is a little sexy too, just to see if our Americans can do it against Jose Mourinho. So we'll see if Tessman and Busio start again. That would be very cool. But uh, i like Juve to win both teams to score plus 225. Or if you want to go for Fiorentina Vlahovic to score anytime plus 190, he's in great form right now. I love it. All right, let's move on. Let's keep going here because I want to wrap up with MLS. But before that, there's El Gran Derby in La Liga, of course, as Real Betis. Real Betis faces Sevilla. Should be a good one. When you look at the table, Sevilla are in third. Real Betis in fifth. Uh, the point differential is really not that big. Sevilla with 24 points, one point under Real Sociedad, who is in first, and Real Betis with 21 points uh jimmy you right back to you with the betting tips and then uh heath ends it but this is a good game specifically because most people don't realize how big this derby is it's a very contentious one and it's a great one it is but it's also considered one of the friendliest derbies in the world <laughs> and i appreciate that but Respectable Sevilla, derby, right? Sevilla it, wasn't, has, it wasn't built on violence jimmy yeah i know can you imagine, imagine all vibes. That. or yeah, yeah tribalism all that <laughs> the, the, the vibe derby Sevilla, Sevilla <laughs> owned this rivalry though um but betis haven't won this derby since 2018 and the last three games are under two and a half goals so it's usually tight but for whatever reason i'm kind of liking the over plus over two and a half goals plus 140 Sevilla have only lost twice all season once was in the league one zero away to granada and midweek to lille just this past week midweek at home after having the one zero lead which was surprising because sevilla have the best defense joint defense in all of la liga betis lost last week at, uh, to uh, atleti and now they face leverkusen in germany after drawing them one one a match day three in spain i think that two extra days of rest is pretty massive for sevilla and Yusuf El Nesri is coming back into the team. Obviously, he's a force up top when healthy and ready to go. When you pair him with Lamella and Lucas Ocampos, who finally scored his second Champions League goal seven years after he scored his first, which is a crazy stat. I, I like Sevilla here a little bit uh, and them to win straight up is plus 160. So I, I would take that to the bank. Instead of I love it. I love yeah. it. He? I, I like Sevilla in this one as well. I think we we found that we saw a little bit from uh, Real Betis against Atletico Madrid there when they took a thumping. Um, obviously, Sevilla's defense, uh, they're, 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 Sevilla are very comfortable playing it tight for long matches. I actually seemingly like Jimmy's over too. Just I don't I don't really know why. Just more of a gut instinct on that uh, because Sevilla are, are happy to play a one nil or or a two one 
and and really keep it tight for for long periods. But again, Batiste showed some vulnerabilities uh, in in that match that I think they're 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 a little bit fragile at the moment. And we've seen with these teams that creep near the top that sometimes it takes one thumping from a giant for them to be reminded of, hey, you've been on a great run, but uh, you you don't necessarily belong up here week in week out. Add that to the to the fact that there's a derby here, and I think Sevilla take this one uh, two one. All right, let's quickly have a look at the roundup of La Liga. Uh, and uh, obviously, again, as I mentioned, this is the last weekend before the international break. But there's some good games in La Liga, including Celta Vigo against Barcelona, Alavés against Levante, Español Granada, Athletic Club against Cadiz, Real Madrid against Rayo Vallecano. That, to me, is a nice one. South American Star power there as Falcao against Vinicius Jr., etc. Villarreal Getafe, and much more, including Valencia, Atletico Madrid. All right, um, let's keep going here. Let's go to one Germany. Note, one note, one note before we go to Germany. Iago Aspas always scores for Celta Vigo. He always scores. Him to score anytime against Barcelona, who are a little vulnerable defensively, plus 160. Just wanted to give a shout out to the man, myth, and legend known as Iago Aspas. No, he always scores. Celta <laughs> let's Vigo. go to Germany. Alemania, let's go. Bama. No, but Celta Vigo have just won uh, two of their last nine matches in the league against Barcelona. But Iago Aspas is always a sure thing. All right, Leipzig against Borussia Dortmund in the Bundesliga. Jesse Marsh. Listen, a, a heroic point against Paris Saint-Germain, Heath Pierce, all right? But you're shaking your head a little bit. You're a bit worried about your boy. What's going on against Borussia Dortmund, who also lost to Ajax as well? Uh, how do you see this one? I think it's a great opportunity coming off of a loss uh, for Borussia Dortmund, who now took two hits in a row from, from Ajax uh, that humbled this Borussia Dortmund side. Obviously, we saw some squad rotation in Dortmund, who are again going through their own injury uh, concerns. But I, I said this before, and this was the Ole Gunner moment for for Jesse Marsh, right? He started against our, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, ended up with a draw, got a draw against PSG, which feels a little bit better than 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 a point against Eintracht Frankfurt. And then it all comes down to this uh, RB Leipzig match because now you've got this gap after that where you then got to go and play Hoffenheim. And again, Hoffenheim aren't the same Hoffenheim that we knew of years past, but a real challenge and test uh, for Jesse Marsh on this one. And one that I think he's probably feeling a little bit of the rumors in the hallways of this has to be a win. You have to show that of these three results, you have to be able to take three points out of these. Uh, and and it's against Dortmund, right? And and it's mm. unfortunate that that run of form ends with, with a team like Dortmund. But if there's ever a time that uh, RB Leipzig... And by the way, RB Leipzig in Champions League, even though they don't have any... Well, they have one point to show for it in the group, have actually looked decent for these periods. And then you see one individual mistake shows this gap of like, oh, these good teams punish those types of mistakes. And it's always this fundamental error. Obviously, Tyler Adams has been at fault for, for, for one of those in the first game against PSG. But when you look throughout the matches, they actually compete quite well. They create a number of chances. They looked comfortable, but it's just about eliminating those, those crucial errors. Now they're playing a Dortmund side that will also punish them, not in the way that Holland would when he's on the field, but will punish you if you give up those, those crucial errors. So if they can cut those out, I actually like their, their odds. Um, I'm not sure what the, what, the, what the betting tips are there, Jimmy. But I, I do like Leipzig's ability to be able to, to sneak out with three points against Dortmund here. Yeah, plus 105 for them to win straight up. You know, you could throw that into a parlay, everybody. I actually like both teams to score defensively. They're both sus, as the kids like to say today. And uh, for both teams to score and Leipzig to win plus 250 is pretty good value. Like Heath, maybe I'm my optimism and my bias for Jesse Marsh and wanting him to be successful is in my way a little bit. But without Erling Haaland, this Dortmund team just isn't as threatening. They had Torgan Hazard 
who have played the last couple matches there as the false nine in some ways to maybe create some numerical advantages in midfield and pull out those defenders. Daniel Mullen kind of in and out. He was the big signing from PSV, and he can stretch the defense a little bit, so maybe he starts if they identify some very young and inexperienced center backs. I mean, again, I, I kind of bang this drum a lot about Jesse Marsh, but he lost his two starting center backs and his best holding midfielder to different teams in the transfer window. That's just not easy to replace. Now, I'm a big fan of Simicon. I think he's a good young defender, but he's still young. Uh, Guardiola still another young defender. You got Willie Orban, who got a midweek injury, so now there's another defender that's out. Uh, Klosterman's probably still out. Hostelberg is still probably out. Gulachi hasn't been that great between the sticks today or for them this season. So there are some concerns. So I think this could be a little bit of a run and gun, but I feel like getting that last gasp goal against PSG will give them a little bit of like, finally a little something went our way. And now I feel like whoever scores that first goal could really kind of dictate how this goes. But there's going to be a lot of goals in this one, and I hope it tips to RB Leipzig. So take this into consideration when I'm giving my betting tips that I like RB Leipzig to win and both teams to score plus 250, but I'm just pulling for Jesse Marsh so hard that that that's probably uh, – uh, clouding my judgment a little bit. Uh, I, I will say, Jimmy, if you're Jesse Marsh, you go into that situation, you go, hey, this wasn't the Red Bull system before. You know, <laughs> Remember when we used to have under 23 players and everybody wanted them and we go, hey, we're RB Leipzig. We don't need to sell anybody. We'll keep them as long as you want. Right. Well, now you're selling everybody and you're not giving me anyone. That's a tough situation to be All in. Right. So hopefully I think uh, I'm with you. I'm a big Jesse Marsh fan, but you know, they're eighth in the Bundesliga. 15 points, right? It's it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. All right, and tell it, me what you're thinking, and I'll tell you what the what the odds are. I think. Well, I think Borussia Dortmund's going to win this game. <laughs> they got they got well, both teams to score. Or just no, yeah, I think. Listen, one of the things that I'm I'm thinking specifically about this game is that because both of them are just as good offensively, but obviously RB Leipzig still not as good. But they, if you can definitely guarantee one thing, is they're going to concede. So I see a Borussia Dortmund two one win. I see. I see it to flip on the other side. I see. I see a two-one for RB Leipzig. Leipzig, both teams to score. Uh, Jesse Marsh Marsh to get a new contract. (laughs) Energized by the home support as well, because I think that is also an important part of that. Plus four hundred. Dortmund to win. Both teams to score. Plus four hundred. Plus two thirty. If you want Dortmund to win straight up. All right. We'll take your pick, everybody. I mean, that's what it is. All right. So we are going to wrap up and return to North America because it's a huge day. This weekend, Major League Soccer wraps up its regular season as they get ready for the postseason and, of course, the playoffs and it's MLS Decision Day. Um, So a few things, by the way, let's look at the standing, because if you're not aware of MLS, you got the Eastern Conference uh, and the Western. So let's go to the East first. Still in the hunt, Atlanta United, who should be okay, but you don't want to tempt fate. Orlando. Red Bulls, Montreal, DC and Columbus. Uh, some key matches to watch out. Montreal against Orlando. Nashville, by the way, on the cusp of going full season unbeaten at home uh, as they face the Red Bulls. And if we look at the West, uh, when we look at the Western Conference, the, the teams that are looking to be in the hunt, uh, Minnesota, Vancouver, LA Galaxy, Salt Lake. LAFC need a lot of things to go their way, Heath Pierce, uh, but they are technically in the hunt and the key matches, of course, LA Galaxy uh, against Minnesota and Vancouver against uh, the Sounders or just obviously another season where they continue to kill it. Uh, Heath Pierce, how do you feel? Go anywhere you want, man. You can go Heath, to your Heath, LAFC Heath. first if you want. Heath, you take West, the Western Conference. I'll take Let's the East. Let's do that. Okay. Heath, okay. Heath you go West, Jimmy will go East. By the way, 
Just for everybody who's not tuning in weekly, we get it. The Western Conference does not only have teams uh, that are in the West. Uh, yeah, they, we don't need no angry emails, emails. Okay. okay? We get it. There's a lot of teams in the league. They got to go somewhere. It doesn't always make sense. All right. Uh, let, so let's move on from that. But Real Salt Lake had a huge opportunity to uh, make the playoffs. And and they got thumped uh, midweek against against uh, the Portland Timbers, who are very, very good and in, and in great form right now. That's helped keep this playoff uh, chase alive. Obviously, the key matches on that side, Galaxy playing against Minnesota, the, both of those have implications of sort of winning you're in. Um, uh, and then and then on the, the second matchup in that one is Vancouver playing Seattle. Seattle uh, took a hit again to uh, against LAFC that kept their hopes alive. And, and now LAFC have to win against Den, uh, Colorado and just a bunch of things have to happen and fall in place. So it's pretty much a situation for the teams that are above the line there, Vancouver, Minnesota, uh, LA Galaxy, that you have to win, you have to win those matches and you're in the playoffs. And that makes it a, a really exciting time that it's not just going to be a bunch of teams that are looking to, to draw and secure themselves a spot. You got to win to stay in and other things have to happen in your way in the Western Conference. It's, it's still wide open for those final two spots. Also, I just want to say that I'm gutted for Real Salt Lake. All they had to do was win at home against the Portland Timbers on Wednesday, and they blew it. They lost three to one. So now they got to go to Sporting Kansas City, who are one of the best teams in the league, and try to get a result on the last day. Good luck with that. Now I think Eastern it was three nil, by the way, at halftime for for RSL. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. not showing up when it matters. So we'll yeah. see if they can get the job done in Kansas City, where they don't have a great record. Now over the Eastern Conference. Only three spots remain for six clubs. Atlanta's 48 points, Orlando 48 points, New York 47. So they've got the three as of right now. But Montreal have 46. D.C. United have 44 and Columbus have 44. Obviously, D.C. and Columbus need some help to make that happen. What I think is really crazy is Montreal will host Orlando City. So whoever wins that game clinches a spot for the playoffs. And that's what I'm here for. I love that one a lot. If it's a draw, Orlando will make it at Montreal's expense. Okay, And then... The Red Bulls travel to second place Nashville, as uh, Luis said, have not lost at home all season. Uh, and then both Columbus and D.C. need to win and hope that other results go in their favor in a big way. It's crazy. I love this time of year. I love MLS Decision Day, and uh, I'm very excited for the MLS playoffs this season. Absolutely. I'm giving an extra little bit of love for Orlando City and Pedro Galese. Let's see uh, what happens there. But listen, here's a question for you. Uh, just uh, looking ahead after Decision Day. Uh, both of you, please answer. Heath, obviously, you've uh, New England remains the utmost favorite. Would you? The table doesn't lie, is my question, basically. And the Sounders as well on the other side. Yeah, Sounders. Not. I mean, this is the problem with the Sounders is they're not in great form right now. However, the Sounders have never really been in great form going into the playoffs. But they're a playoff team. They know exactly what to do when they buckle down. They they're happy to play ugly. They're happy to scrap it out. They have enough mature players on the field that know what playoff implica implications are, and that's why. They, they, they take it to teams that are probably in better form going into the playoffs. So I would give them that as a playoff team. They're one of the best playoff teams in history uh, that don't always match up with, with uh, the identity of perhaps their form going into the playoffs. And then obviously with New England, I wouldn't usually give them that, but Bruce Arena is just a magician in the way that he can motivate these teams. And so this could be their, their, their year. And uh, it's tough to have done what they've done. I think at times they look at their squad and they go, well, I don't know how we've done it either. Uh, but it's, it's certainly the type of form, but Jimmy knows like so little of regular season form. Uh, I mean, you want to have that form going into the playoffs, but so little of it really matters in the playoffs. It's about understanding the matchups. It's about being, uh, conscientious of, of, of how to play these, these types of matchups. So, uh, I, I, I guess what I'm saying, Luis, is I agree with you that those are the two teams that I would have, uh, but Colorado are really good too. And again, 
um, uh, Greg Vanny's done a, uh, or sorry, Robin Frazier. I'm talking about two guys that were coaches of Jimmy and I's in one season. Uh, uh, you know, Robin Frazier's done a good job of motivating these, that, that group of players that, that isn't a star team either. Uh, and on set pieces, when you get into the playoffs could, could really be the difference maker. Yeah, I mean, it's rare in MLS history to have the two number one seeds from each conference actually make the final. So the teams right. that I'm looking at from the East, even though I think New England will get there for all the points that he said, and Bruce Serena, tremendous man manager. Uh, New York City FC and Atlanta United are two teams I would not want to face in the playoffs just because they have the talent to, and, and individual talent to, to turn a game on a dime. And that's what you need. And playoff games get real tight. Just like a Champions League game gets real tight and you need that one moment of magic. And I feel like those two teams in particular have those magic players to, to win a game by themselves. Over in the West, I, I probably echo the sentiments about Colorado Rapids. Going to be very tough to play against. The Timbers have started to find a little bit of form going into the playoffs. Vancouver really turning things around as well. So if you, it's the crappy part about MLS Cup playoffs. If you find someone that's just kind of hit the hot hand at the right time, they could go on a run and have a good three weeks to win the title, which feels a little unfair. As we've discussed many times, I feel like the trophy should go to the team that's the best over 10 months and not three weeks. But that's a conversation for another time, everybody. <laughs> no, it's a good point. Momentum, a massive protagonist in MLS. And by the way, your point about NYCFC, they've scored 55 goals, the second most in the East after, of course, the machine that is New England. But that's MLS. All right, before we say goodbye, any uh, do you expect any, any surprises on Sunday? Anything that's going to be like, oh, man, uh, Jimmy? Yeah, I think Orlando City is going to completely get squeaky on time. Bed. Yeah, and Montreal is going to get the win. They're playing at home with everything to play for. I think they're going to be up for it. And I do think that they're going to leapfrog Orlando City and get in the playoffs. Sorry, Orlando City fans. Keith? Mm, Jimmy, geez, we just upsetting people. I, I think I th the big surprise for me is, is, is uh, well, obviously there's already implications in these games, but I'm talking about LA Galaxy who were really hot to start the season. I don't know if you, you mm -hmm. remember Chicharito. Chicharito, 10 goals in his first like seven games, something like that, uh, have sort of been hit or miss in these last matches. They've now got to go and get a result at home against Minnesota. I could see them falling out and then uh, dropping out of the playoff race. And that's not just because of you know any sort of loyalty or ties to LAFC. I, I think that LA Galaxy have really left it late um, and if they've dug, they've dug deep in their last few matches, but this could be the one that's a little too far. Results go the wrong way and they find themselves below the line. Yeah, well, in MLS, it would be a shame to see neither LA team in the playoffs, but it is what it is. Uh, Heath Pierce can still hang out with Will Farrell and you know, maybe get a, a gig in the next movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's exactly why I said it. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. That's our weekend preview. Before we say goodbye, final thoughts, Jimmy Conrad. I've got none. There's so many great games. I want to lay down and take a nap. Everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just want to lay down and take a nap now. So I'm ready to go. Cause I got to be up at five in the morning to do the Manchester Derby. I mean, I get yeah, to no, watch it. I have to watch it for the narratives, for the vibes. Yep. For the vibes. Heath Pierce. Yeah. Same thing. I've got a long day on Saturday, uh, doing some, uh, youth grassroots, uh, clinic stuff. So fortunately I'll get to watch the game cause I got to get up early. It's the only window I have to watch, uh, some of those early games before having to go back and rewatch. So yeah, that's my, that's my only thoughts. I'm excited. What a, what a, what a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time, what a time, to, time be to be alive. We're excited to have Jimmy Conner and Heath Pierce as part of the show. James Bench as well, of course, but Jimmy and Heath, of course, will also be a lot doing a lot of work next week as the USMNT return to action. They face Mexico and Jamaica, but plenty more content, including our weekend recap and so much more. By the way, I want to thank all of you for being part of Kego Lasso. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. We are also 
on where else are we on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, CBS Sports on your CBS Sports app. I'm going to go live on Sunday with Jimmy to recap the action. Make sure to join us. Uh, I mean, that's all the call to actions I have, really. Just keep following us. Keep loving us. Keep smashing that like button. It's the only way we can keep those lights up. Thank you so much. Have a great, great weekend. We'll see you next time. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.